Madonna. You may have heard of me. I've been, uh, I've been very quiet lately. So I just wanted to remind you guys that I existed. Welcome to the Spooky Electric Podcast by me, Trent Venegas. You need another podcast like you need another hole in your head. So here we go. It's time for another episode of Spooky Electric, and I have my guest, Austin Riva, joining me again. I'm back. Because we are doing another podcast episode about Madonna. Madonna. For her birthday uh, this month, uh, August 16th. Yep. We have decided that we are going to talk about the Bedtime Stories album era. The last time that uh, Austin and I uh, talked about Madonna, we did the True Blue era. And that kind of represented the 80s. And then we kind of talked about, well, the next time we do this, let's pick an album from the 90s. So we decided to talk about Bedtime Stories. And that's what we're going to do. Yes, I think the Bedtime Stories is is her underrepresented 90s album. Everybody talks about erotica and everybody talks about Ray of Light, but nobody talks about Bedtime Stories. Yeah, like, like erotica and that whole era was so fraught with just overwhelming media attention and backlash. And um, Ray of Light was one of her most surprising reinventions of her career up to that point. And Bedtime Stories in the Middle kind of gets a little overlooked. So it definitely does not get the attention that it deserves. Agree. Another exciting thing um, that's going on this week is that uh, Madonna uh, has guest, she has a guest appearance on Dua Lipa's new uh, remix of her song Levitating, which caused quite a stir on the internets when it was rumored a couple weeks ago and then confirmed and now the remix is out and we love it we do love it i loved it from first listen um it's funny because well austin and i were talking about this this song coming out for like this entire week and the last text i got last night from him was like see you in the morning after we hear the song and that's exactly what happened (laughs) and i had it on repeat for the first two hours of my morning yeah I did my whole workout to it today it's interesting though because um I know you have been monitoring the chatter on like what what fans are saying um but personally I heard from two of my friends big Madonna fans and they didn't necessarily love it right off the bat like to them it was a song that oh maybe I'll listen to a few more times to hear what to hear what you love about it but I loved it from the start I think the beats are cool. Madonna's vocals are really, really fantastic. Her best since at least Hard Candy or Confessions, like no exaggeration. I agree. Like um, the blessed Madonna who remixed the song must have impressed upon Madonna to just sing, not do auto-tune, not do any, you know, cool, you know, effects to her voice, just sing. And she sounds great. She does. Let's hope she keeps that energy with the next record, because as much as I love Madame X as an album, those vocal effects were really um, difficult for me. I completely agree. Madonna and her vocal effects have been a problem for me for a while now. But that's a subject of conversation for another time. Let's go back to 1995 and uh, let's talk about the Bedtime Stories era. 1994. Let's go back to 1994, (laughs) the Bedtime Stories era. Yeah. So when we talked about where the Bedtime Stories era begins, it doesn't necessarily begin with the release of the album. The album came out in October of 1994. But in March of 1994, Madonna released uh, a song called I'll Remember, which was uh, the theme song from a movie that nobody saw called With Honors. All the Brendan Fraser stands in the house. 
Brendan Fraser and um, Joe Pesci. I don't know. I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah. So the movie is about these Harvard college students who befriend a homeless man on campus. And it turns out like he's really smart or something. And like they kind of like make him one of the gang, one of the Harvard gang or something like that. Like I, I, I never saw the movie the whole way through. I only caught it on cable years later after it had been on like TNT or something. So I've seen parts of it, but I've never seen the whole way through. Like I know what the movie's about, but I, I don't know if it's, but beside the point, the song is fantastic. It's one of my favorite um, Madonna ballads for sure. Um, she had just released, well, on, on Erotica, she had released the song Rain, which is one of my favorite Madonna ballads. And it really feels like like a, uh, a continuation from that vibe she was going for with Rain. Even her look in the music video is very similar. Yeah, that wig is something. But yeah, um, I always, and don't laugh, but I always, the the instrumental of All Remember always gave me Enya vibes. Like the synths that they were using felt very like late 80s, early 90s Enya. And no, I, I get it. I love that about it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so that song was released um, in in March of 94. And then shortly thereafter, Madonna uh, appeared on the David Letterman show. In her swim cap. <laughs> and so a little backstory. At this point, Madonna had been through literal media hell with the release of Erotica and her book, Sex. Um, people across the board felt that she had just gone too far. Um, not so much with the album. It wasn't so much about the music. It was about that book. The book was, you know, erotic photography, but it was very explicit, pretty graphic. Um, things that, you know, people barely talk about let alone acknowledge i mean we live in a different era now where um i feel like the sex talk isn't quite as um risque but i mean also also in the last week um cardi b and megan stallion released their song wap mm -hmm. wet pussy and Ooh. people are freaking out about that because oh my god women talking about singing about sex and people can't handle it yeah. So it's a problem that female artists still deal with to this day. But for sure, back in 1992, 93, 94, uh, America was not ready for what Madonna had for them when she released Erotica and her sex book. So her sales had plummeted. Um, you know, she just was persona non grata across the board. And in my opinion, I honestly believe the record label was probably like this close to like dumping her because she had really, really pushed the envelope and there didn't seem to be any way to fix it. She just had dug her heels in and, you know, she really wanted this book to come out. And it was a huge, huge misfire in terms of the public accepting mm -hmm. it. And then she goes on David Letterman and ends up having the most censored interview in United States television history because she's like wanting to fuck with David Letterman but one thing that I love in that interview that she says he's like Madonna people don't want to be hearing this kind of stuff 11 p.m. in their homes and she's like well what else do you think they're doing at 11 p.m. in their homes right now <laughs> the thing for me is and I remember when that happened um it was so out of left field because she had always been you know, she'd always been cheeky and she'd always been risque. But in this interview, she just went, she clearly went way too far. I really think she meant to lash out a little bit at the criticism, but it just, it went too far. And she had realized that she had just gone so far, she couldn't stop and she couldn't turn back. So she decided to just keep going. And the F-bombs and the F-bombs and David Letterman was very, very obviously getting pissed off. This was filmed live in front of an audience. I mean, it was it was a big, big, big. Yeah, deal. and the other guest and the musical guest both didn't get their airtime because she wouldn't leave. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like it was like one of those. Uh, it's like a train wreck that's happening in real life. You don't want to look away. So obviously, they they 
as much as it was causing such consternation for CBS and their censors, like they kept going, they kept recording and they kept, they kept rolling. Um, because, you know, even when, even when the controversy is really, really bad, it still makes for good TV and we're still talking about it 26 years later. Mm-hmm. So at this point, a decision was made somewhere. Um, probably with huge pressure from the record label that Madonna had to pull back from how far she had gone over the line. And the decision was made somewhere. Madonna had to have been included because there's no way she would have gone along with this without being in full support that um, she needed to fix what she had done. So I definitely don't think that it's, too much to say that she was fighting for her career. Um, when you consider all of the backlash that she had taken, and I'm sure her record label was like sweating bullets. Um, you know, the you know, they she definitely wanted to have her say with her album and her book. And I have no doubt that the record label was like, okay, let's give it a shot. And then they just saw everything unfold. So Again, like I mentioned, she probably was fairly close to to losing her contract at the time. But for me, I you know I remember this whole time. I loved the album. I loved the book. Um, it, the book was impossible to find. Like it sold out everywhere. People were like, you know, just selling it for crazy amounts of money. Like it was it on the on the brunt of it. It sold out everywhere but it still was like a major, major misfire for her because of all the backlash that it brought, so. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, I just wonder what she thought was going to happen. Like, I feel like she kind of spent a few years just being like, how far can I push this? And eventually she was going to push it to where people were like, okay, no. And I just, I wonder if she somewhat wanted that. I don't know. It's it's hard to know, obviously, Um about like she had you know she was at the complete top of the world you know blonde ambition was such a hugely successful tour and she was like the biggest female celebrity on the planet and she probably thought she could do whatever she wanted and get away with it and ultimately she couldn't yeah so the decision was made for her next album to be softer more laid back um And, you know, as much as people talk about or, you know, there are articles that will say, like, it's her apology or, you know, she had her tail between her legs. And I don't necessarily think that's the case. I do agree. I do agree that she probably realized, okay, I kind of got to tone it down. You know, I kind of maybe pushed it too far. Let's rein it back in because, you know, she did not. I'm sure she did not want to lose her record label and have to deal with all of that so she decided that she was going to put out a softer more laid back album on her terms and i think she did a really really cool job with that record yeah um you know again going back to my you know memory and it's not super great but i definitely remember when bedtime stories came out and how different it was you know, I, you know, I'm not a big hip hop fan. I've always been very honest about that. I don't really love R&B. So at first brush, I was like, oh, like Madonna R&B. I don't know if this is my thing. But to me, it didn't seem like she was doing anything outside of the fact that she was just changing gears and coming up with a whole new persona, which she had done for every single album she released. So to me, as a, you know teen 20 something you know just not really paying attention to like the politics of of what the backlash meant for her to me it was just like this is just the new era that madonna is coming at us with and here we go here we go um yeah so okay so the album came out in october and um yeah it was pretty much so what what have you read in 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 researching for this uh this episode about how the album was received at the time well 
the thing one of the things I find interesting is that she initially began work with uh Shep Pettibone, who produced Erotica, and she was like, Okay, this is sounding way too much like erotica. So she uh threw those songs in the can, but one of those songs ended up going to Gary Barlow. Um <clears throat> I think it's called Love Won't Wait. And then she was thinking about like, okay, like what am I into right now? So she loved uh, Bjork's debut album. So she was like, get me Nellie Hooper. I love that album. She said it was one of her favorite albums of that year. And she loved Babyface because she was a fan of his hit at the time. So she said, get me Babyface. And she loved Dallas Austin. I don't remember exactly which record it was, but she heard the record and she was like, I love this. And there's a quote of her saying like, who is this? Who made it? How did it come to be? And how can I get this person? And so those were her three. <laughs> those were her three collaborators after Shep Pettibone got the axe. And that was sort of the genesis of bedtime stories. And songs like Secret had already been done in more of like a Shep Pettibone style. But then she went back and and reworked a lot of the songs with these with these new producers, just in the same way that she did. Um, on Ray of Light when she was working with Babyface a lot and then she realized that it was sounding too much like Bedtime Story so she brought in William Orbit. It was kind of like a similar thing to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also, I, I also know that she definitely wanted to have more like a Euro feel. Like she was definitely into beats. She wanted more, uh, I mean, she just was going for a new sound. Yeah, she was really inspired, I read, by the, the dub scene in London. And it's funny because if you look on paper of, like, we're, let's make an R&B hip-hop album, but also do, like, this crazy dub Euro London album at the same time. It's like, how the hell would that come together? But it does in, like, the yeah, most it crazy really, way. It really does work. And um, as we talk about the individual songs, I will give my comments on them individually but overall like I mentioned not coming from not like a big R&B fan place or either hip-hop like in 1994 95 I was like super into like Nine Inch Nails like Nine Inch Nails changed my life in terms of I had been like a major major pop kid my whole entire life and then when like I really fell hard for like the industrial music harder electronic music scene it like totally flipped my whole perspective of like what I was really into. But even yeah. through that, Madonna, this, you know, hip hoppy R and B song she was going for, that still resonated with me because the songs are really, really good. So let's talk about the songs that uh that we pulled together for the playlist for this episode. So yes. the first song um is I'll Remember. Mm -hmm. uh, which was released in March of 1994. And as I mentioned, it was the theme from the movie With Honors. Um, again, one of my favorite Madonna ballads. I think it's up there with my other favorites, Crazy For You, Live To Tell, and Rain. Like, I really think it's as good as those songs. It's one of the songs that... Um, again, because I don't love ballads, and if... if if a ballad makes me want to hear it over and over and over again, there's some kind, there's something to it that resonates with me, and this is one of those ballads. Yeah, I mean, I really like it, but I, I don't, I don't love it. I feel like it's kind of middle of the road for me. Like it's, I feel like it's kind of like it's a like a, a tier above. This used to be my playground, but it's not like I'm not like that's one of her best ballads ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get that people don't necessarily love it. And I also think it's one of those songs that people don't really think about, you know? I mean, it was released, you know, on a soundtrack to a movie that nobody saw. Yeah, but and, it was a hit. I mean, it was a hit on the radio, but, you know, the video isn't even that interesting because the video is very much just geared towards selling the movie. I hate the um, video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like Madonna from Rain in, like, a studio singing in front of a screen with the scenes from the movie yeah it's just it's, it's not a great video it's madonna but, uh, from rain but she had a child take scissors to her wig <laughs> um so i'll remember is the first song released after erotica and it's the first uh phase of like the quote-unquote damage control agenda mm -hmm. so then later on that year uh bedtime stories is released and the first song on Bedtime Stories and the next song on our playlist is Survival, 
where she sings, I'll never be an angel, I'll never be a saint, it's true. So those are the first words that we hear after those beep, 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 beats, beep, 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 beep. Like, and it's like, <laughs> what is happening? Like, for me, it was like, what is this? By this point, when I heard Survival for the first time, I had already heard Bedtime Story because Bedtime Story as the lead single was released before the album came out. So Secret, sorry, did I say Bedtime? Yeah, Secret, the first single. Mm -hmm. um, I loved it immediately. I loved that song. I loved the video. Um, so, but when I, when, when, when I popped in the CD and Survival was the first song I heard, I was like, what is this? Like, it was a surprise to me. Um, but you know, from the very first track of this album, which is her doing whatever quote unquote damage control, you know, kinder, gentler Madonna, she's telling us that she is unapologetic, uh, but she's willing to make the course change that society was like screaming for her to do. Yeah. It's very celebratory and triumphant, I think. And I believe it's the final time that Donna and Nikki recorded with her actually in the studio. That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, and Donna said that they came in the studio and Madonna was just like, here's the lyric sheet. Get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whether it's heaven or hell, she's going to be living to tell. She loves to reference her past lyrics, doesn't she? She definitely does. Um, the next track, single, sorry, the next track, Secret, was the first single from the album. Um, and again, I loved it. Uh, it's one of those songs that grows on you. Like I liked it, but then I loved it more and more that I that I heard it. It was a song that was on the radio a lot, so I think that helped too. Um, you know, as much as I don't really love ballads, I also don't really. I'm not crazy about mid tempo songs either. But this is a pretty good mid tempo song, and I I like it. Yeah, the lyrical content is obviously super interesting. Like, what is the secret? And, exactly. And it's, I feel like this song is a precursor to what was to come four years later with Frozen. Mm -hmm. It's like, she's got her mmms going on. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's it's catchy. The video is, it's not my favorite video, but it's interesting enough. It's, it's all very mysterious. I think that's the thing that I love most about Bedtime Stories. I feel like it's a very mysterious kind of almost spooky sometimes album. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the sense that people were wondering, well, what was Madonna going to do next after she had gone so far? And that mystery kind of like permeates the album. Um, like I mentioned, so the song was released first and the song was on the radio before the video was out. So I remember thinking, what's the secret? What is the secret? And you don't find out until the very end of the video that there's like this little child and you're like, oh, you know, and like, and this is where we get our first sense that, you know, whether she was thinking about being a mother or whatever, but, you know, this is the, our first sense of Ma mother Madonna. Yeah. So I read today that there was that she posted audio messages on her website and clips as like a way to tease it and that that was quite revolutionary for the time. Do you have any memory of that? I don't because... Um, I mean, I definitely was online in 1994, but I was probably still on America Online. So, you know, America Online, the first year that it was out, or the first couple years it was out, was only its own entity. So it wasn't the World Wide Web. I didn't know what www.whatever was, dot coms. Hmm. Like those didn't exist in the, in the first iteration of America Online. So for sure, I had I missed all of that, mm. at least in '94. Um, but you know the the line "Happiness lies in your own hand," which she sings over and over again, like that's a mantra that she's been singing about her whole entire career. So even even you know, you know she's saying, "I'll never be an angel. I'll never be a saint." And the second song, she's clearly you know still sticking to her guns. "Happiness lies in your own hand," you know Madonna was still going to be Madonna, but she could do it in this different, softer way. This is definitely one of her most lyrically deep albums. And in a lot of ways, it feels like she wrote it for herself as a way to like tell herself to keep going and to not care. It didn't feel like yeah. she wrote this album for anybody else. It feels like she wrote it for herself. 
I agree. I again, I feel you know, like there's a lot of talk about the fact that it was like you know, it's like she's apologetic or whatever. And I just really think that she decided that she was going to still say what she wanted to say and prove that she could do it in a way that pleased her and pleased everyone else. Yeah. Or at least, if not pleased everyone else, at least did not give them cause to keep complaining. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next song, I'd Rather Be Your Lover, which is got a funky beat. You know, I think it's a decent song. It's not necessarily one of my favorites. Uh, and it features a little rap uh, segue with, from Michelle and Degia Cello. But originally, wasn't there someone else who was supposed to do that rap in this There song? was a man by the name of Tupac Shakur, who she was dating at the time, but was removed because he had criminal charges pressed against him. So, you know, it sucks because had, had there not been all of this um, criticism of her already, I really feel like that wouldn't have been an issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, like... You know? Yeah, I right? agree. I mean, I think that God, imagine, imagine in an alternate universe where where I'd rather be your lover featuring Tupac has a single and a high budget video. It'd be iconic. Yeah, totally, totally. It's only because she already had a huge target on her back that they probably decided, you know what? We're not going to go with you know gangster rap king Tupac. Yeah, and um, let's go with someone else. And I love Michelle and Cello, so this is no offense to her and definitely no shade. Mm -hmm. um, the song is fantastic with her, but oh, can you imagine what it would have been like if if the original version with Tupac was released? It's one of those things. Fortunately, it's one of those things where you wish the label or her or whoever had nixed the decision had just been like, fuck it, let's just let's be ballsy and do it because it's just it's one of those things it, it's a one of, it would be one of the most iconic moments in her career and in pop culture of the 90s and it's such a one of the biggest missed opportunities that i can think of because i love tupac and obviously i love the donna and i just it bums me out that they that they scrapped it because it's such a great verse but, too when he's like hit me yeah. with your blonde ambition and stuff it's just like oh well, you know, Austin, another thing that we've been talking about in the past week is the fact that Madonna has returned to Warner Brothers as her record label. Not officially. It's, spec it's well, speculated. It's, <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. There's too many things happening with old singles being released to streaming, old Warner singles being released to streaming, including Human Nature, mm -hmm. uh, which was from this album. And it's possible that a remastered and expanded version of bedtime stories might be coming in the future. I'm just talking about, I'm, I'm not saying I know this is happening. I'm just saying it's possible that there could be um, in the future, uh, a re-release of bedtime stories. And maybe that Tupac version will get an official release. What a dream that would be. When I think I, we could, we could spend probably three hours just delving into the possibilities of what lurks in her archives. Yeah, I mean, if you see what Warner's is doing with the reissues of the Prince albums, mm -hmm. I mean, they're releasing like demos and um, you know alternate versions of the same songs, like just crazy. It's possible that they might want to do that with Madonna's old catalog, and if she's game for it, it might actually happen. But this is definitely all speculation, definitely all wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. um, but. You know, I'm of the mind that if you put it under the universe, maybe the universe will answer. Manifestation. So. Here's hoping. <laughs> um, the next song in the playlist is Don't Stop, which I feel is a catchy enough song. Another one that grew on me. But this song feels a little samey, you know, like the beats are, you know, they're, they're kind of samey. It definitely, you know, reeks of 90s R&B hip hop, which is fine. But as I said, it's not really my forte. So it's not something that um, grabbed me then. Um, now, in a, looking back in, with nostalgic eyes, I have a better appreciation for it, but not not really a, a wower for me. I love this song. I've always, it's always been one of my favorites from this album. I think it has such an immaculate pop hook and I would love to hear house remixes for it. And 
And if yes. the if the bedtime stories tour had actually gone through, I could just imagine what she would have done with the performance. I think it's such a great pop song. I think the production lets it down a little bit, but the potential that it has with remixes and future performances, mm-hmm. it's one of those songs that's never going to be revisited ever. But, but right. God, that chorus, I've always loved that chorus. I think it's a fantastic hook. Well, in the fantastical, magical future that I'm hoping we have, it's possible that all of the songs could get some, you know, like maybe there are some unreleased, you know, remixes or something that are in the archives somewhere. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I kind of, I, I wonder, I, that's the one song on this album that I wonder if, if there's a Shep Pettibone version that exists, because it's just, I feel like all the other songs are so intentionally R&B, but this feels like a mega huge pop dance song dressed up as, in an R&B disguise. Yeah. I mean, again, like I say, it definitely has that vibe of what the 90s dance music kind of genre was Mm -hmm. i mean it would have done it 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 would have done well had it been a single i think um and you know maybe having heard it on the radio a few more times i would like it more but i don't know um okay so the next song inside of me um very laid back non-abrasive but lots of double entendre you know madonna is you know she'll always have her lover inside of me like you know the song's about her mom you know we what inside of me is about her mom wait what (laughs) she i feel like she used the title to try and like stir people up but she wrote the song about her mom dying oh no i'm over here thinking you know madonna's being all slick and she's (laughs) all like you know yeah you know like it's a it's a nice sweet song but it's like it's madonna and she's singing about you know it is about madonna senior interesting so what else do you know about the song i that's pretty much it i know that because there's a there's very few songs that she's written about her mother and i i i hope i'm not missing one but there's promise to try inside of me and mother and father and other than that i don't think she's ever really spoken about it other than just being like yeah it's about my mom and I think that she definitely, like, like when you look at the title, it's like, oh, God, she's going back to erotica, which she definitely knew she was doing that. For sure. But, um, no, that's the thing about bedtime stories is, like, she didn't do a lot of press. She even said, like, I don't want to do a lot of press. I want the music to speak for itself. That's not, that's a paraphrase of, of something that she said when it came out. But it's like, there's not a lot of, I feel like with most of her albums, she's doing all these interviews and she tours for it and you get all this insight and the songs get fleshed out. But this one, the songs are kind of like, they kind of just came out and were never spoken about deeply. And there's not a lot of context with them. But the, the one thing I know about Inside of Me is that it's about her mother. Well, you have to realize that the press had eviscerated her. And they had written some really, really terrible things about her. And they had dragged her through the mud for the previous two to three years. So I'm sure she didn't really give a shit about talking to anybody about her album. Especially when she decided that she was going to take this turn or at least you know make this change in her sound yeah i i get her saying you know what just wait till the record comes out and let it speak for itself yeah uh the next track human nature the bop my favorite song on the record uh this uh, uh, it's a tie i really love bedtime story um but human nature is probably my teeny tiny favoriteest song over that one um it's her unabashed retort to all of her critics. Um, you know, she does it in a, you know, a more laid back, um, not necessarily abrasive way, but the lyrics, very, very clear what she's saying. I'm not your bitch. Don't hang your shit on me. You know, the bo- the video is very bondage inspired, you know, definitely harkens back to, you know, her erotica look a little mm-hmm. bit. Um. You know, I'm, you know, I'm guessing that, you know, she may have, whether consciously or subconsciously relented to the pressure from the record label to tone it down. She was insistent that for one song, and this is the song, she wanted to say what she wanted to say, how she wanted to say it, and present the video for it in the way that she wanted to do it. Yeah. 
I think this is this is Madonna's like this is if if there's one song that sums her up as an artist, it is this song. Yeah. And I think that that is evidenced by the fact that she constantly performs it live, even more than Candy Shop. Yep. I mean, we have the Drowned World tour, which might be my favorite, where she brings in the vocoder with it and she's riding the bull and her little American flag yep. like crop top. Uh, sticky and sweet. No, Sticky and Sweet is definitely my favorite. When she has the guitar and she rocks it up. And then obviously that time she brought out Britney. And Britney's just kind of standing there smiling. And Madonna's just screaming like, fuck you to everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have the MDNA tour, which was pretty much the album version. And then most recently, the Madam X tour, which was kind of yeah. like the album version, but it was a little more trappy. And she brought in some uh, like jazz elements and played bongos for it and did the splits and everything. Like that was, when I saw the Madam X tour, I thought that that was one of the highlights, but it's like, this song is just like, it's evergreen. It's like, it literally, yeah. it's, it's never not applicable to her career because she's always having to say this about something. When you think about like Madonna, like songs that make you think of Madonna, people always go back to Like a Virgin or Material Girl or Vogue. I mean, like she has massive, massive hits, Like a Prayer. Um, but like, this is like her theme song. Yes, I agree. Like Human Nature is her theme song. I'm not your bitch. Don't hang your shit on me. I mean, hello, what more can you say? Yeah, and it's funny because like before we did this, I just had a, a playlist on YouTube that I was listening to in the background of unreleased Madonna songs. And there's an unreleased song from Hard Candy called This Beat Is So Crazy. And one of the hooks is No Regrets and I'm Not Sorry. Like she literally harkens back to it so often because I feel like she constantly yeah. feels that. Yeah. Um, and getting back to uh, how the song was used in Sticky and Sweet, the video... Uh, projection that has Britney in the in the elevator like like a cute way to incorporate that connection that she had with Britney hopefully still has with Britney like um I mean I love that yeah me too I love I've always loved that that Madonna seems kind of like her industry mom yes yes like she definitely sees that Britney was like the next generation version of her mm -hmm. yeah um, okay, so the next song, Forbidden Love. Uh, this one, too mid-tempo for me. Never clicked with me. Um, it's, it's interesting that she later would record another song titled Forbidden Love uh, on Confessions. And, I mean, that's the Forbidden Love I like. This one, I don't love. Uh, I'm not a Babyface fan. And, you know, you know this is the one, one of the ones that he wrote. So not... It's a, it's, it's, it's a fine song. It's just not fun. I love this one. I love the beatboxing over the beat. It makes it so, I don't know, it's so sexy. Like the, the way that he's beatboxing over the beat. And one of the things I read researching for this was, was that Madonna had loved that instrumental and that beat. And she just started coming up with melodies and lyrics and everything for it. And I'm like, I could see hmm. that because it's like the, the core of the song for me is the beat and that beatboxing. It's, yeah. it's so like, it's, it's again it's mysterious it's enticing and i love the chorus i think that it's oh, i love it um this song uh there like i read that there was uh there's rumors that there was a complete video made for it but you know it ended up warner brothers decided to like not release it as a single or the video because they had moved on to promoting her uh something to remember collection which came out the following oh, year wow. which was her second which was her second greatest hits record um which featured all of her ballads i did not know that that would be i wonder what that video would look like yeah yeah again you know like you know the more i read about the stuff that you know was shelled or didn't make it or was released for just this album just leads me to wonder if if the album was ever to be remastered and expanded, you know, maybe something like this could come out. Yeah, too. that would be incredible. Um, Love Tried to Welcome Me is the next song. Um, what do you think about this? I, I, so I was never a big fan of bedtime stories as a whole for a long time. And I've only in the past couple of years come around to love it, but I love, and this is my favorite thing about bedtime stories is that you go from this kind of like R and B uh, 
not not that everything sounds the same, but it's very cohesive. And then love tries love tried to welcome me comes in, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, it feels like there's a mood shift happening. Like the synthesizers mm-hmm. are happening, the melody gets more mysterious. Mm-hmm. It's like it just feels like it's it's a great, incredible way to seg between the first part of the album and then going into the really weird um latter act of the album. And I I yeah. love I think that I think that the it is a I it for me I, I would give it like an eight or a seven. Like it's not like a perfect flawless song, but it like it's a great segue and it does its job in the sequence of the album. And I love it for that. I mean, it wasn't one that grabbed me, but I will say that the music and the beat reminds me of something that Prince might've written. Hmm. Like there's something about the music that feels Prince to me. Interesting. Whether a song that Prince might've written for one of his protégés or something, but like when I listen to it, I just get Prince vibes from it. So I mean, in that respect, I think it's a little interesting. Um, and I read that um, it was inspired by a stripper that Madonna met in a club. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, who knows? I, you know, I think I read it on um, Madonnapedia or something. But, um, you know, whether that's true or not, um, I thought it was interesting. But for me, the the interesting thing about it is I get, I get a Prince vibe from it. Not a strong, you know, does it sound like a necessarily a Prince song, but it definitely has a Prince vibe to me. Interesting. Um, Sanctuary, the next song, um, famously features the Herbie Hancock uh, sample of his song Watermelon Man um, and lines from Walt Whitman's poem Leaves of Grass. Yeah, I... Oh, this is a song that I love. Nothing... It, I, love, I love when Madonna recites scripture. I just think it's it's <laughs> iconic. It it obviously harkens back to the Beast Within mix of Justify My Love, but it's like... Which, okay, since you mentioned that, that is probably my all-time favorite remix of any Madonna song ever. And when she uses it as the intro to the reinvention tour, it's like, whoa. Yeah, like, but I had stand that song since it came out on the 12-inch single or the CD maxi single of Justify My Love. It is such a great complete out of left field way to remix that song and you're right her recitation of scripture or you know this poetry is is very very cool yeah and it though i love that it the song is atmospheric it's creepiest yeah i think it's some of her strongest lyrics in her entire career i think the lyrics are so the- smart and interesting and thought-provoking it's just like I, oh God, I was, I, I am enamored by the song. Listening, re-listening to the song, you know, all these years later, um, after the fact that now we know that Ray of Light would be in her future, doesn't this song, like for me, the, the, how it starts feels like Ray of Light vibes. Like it would, the music, um, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not saying it's the seeds of what Ray of Light ended up coming out down the line, but listening to it in retrospect, it wouldn't be like completely out of place. A little, you know, a little re- rework, a little fleshed out would fit perfectly on Ray of Light, I think. Yeah, totally. It's definitely a clue of where she was headed next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, the next song is the title track, Bedtime Story. Um, and if, if Human Nature is my favorite song, this is like the gem. This is the gem of the album for me. Written by one Bjork Goodman's daughter. <laughs> um, and okay, so you tell me, what do you think about this song? And then, uh, yeah, well, you and I are both Bjork stands, we've seen her live together, yes. and I, I always, I had a, I love, I love this song, but the one trepidation I've had with this song is that I feel like it's Madonna covering Bjork because the lyrics are so Bjork. Like they're not, they're Mm -hmm. not like, they're not like written in like normal English. They're written in like Bjork English. And so, and and there's times where you can feel like Madonna's trying to like replicate, like, cause Bjork has a weird syncopation. Like everything about the way Bjork writes is very specific to her. So Mm -hmm. like there's times when you feel like Madonna is trying to like sing a Bjork line. It doesn't feel very Madonna, but that doesn't make me love it less. Like, it's yeah. the video, which was one of the most expensive videos ever created, by the way, and an iconic at video. At that time. 
at that time. I think still, is it not? I mean, possibly, but, you know. If we just, it, inflation. yeah, inflation. <laughs> but I, no, I love this song. I love the burn, burn that it does in, towards the end of the song, the way that it builds. I love the production. I love the lyrics. I love everything about it. It's perfect. Two things, the, the two, the three images that I think of the most when I think about the video. Um, you know, the scene where, you know, she's got the really long hair, the wig that's blowing, like that's very iconic of that video. Mm -hmm. um, the scene where Madonna is, looks like she's pregnant and then the doves fly out of her stomach, out of her womb. Oh, yeah. Another, another, you know, precursor to the fact that Madonna was, whether she was thinking about it or not, was definitely be gonna become a mother. And the very, very creepy scene at the end where her eyes are replaced by mouths singing mm -hmm. and her mouth is replaced by that eye. Like that is so creepy. It's so simple and it's so, it's seared into my mind. When I think about that video, those are the three things I think about and that creepy mouth eye. Thing. I think, I think yeah. about the little girl it. that looks identical to child Bjork. <laughs> yes. They had to go dig up an Icelandic girl to be in the yeah. video for uh <laughs> video um i found this quote that uh york uh, gave about the song so quote this is bjork when i was offered to write a song for madonna i couldn't really picture me doing a song that would suit her but on second thought i decided to do to do this to write the things i have always wanted her to say that she's never said i have never heard that that's amazing which is cool yeah right? Well, so yeah. when Madonna performed, I think it was at the Brits, but I think the only time she's done this song live, when she had that white Versace dress mm -hmm. and the, the long wig, yep. she invited Bjork to perform with her and Bjork declined her. You know, th that, uh, that quote that I read is, it's pretty non-committal, but every other thing that I've read or heard Bjork talk about this song you know, she makes it very clear that she wasn't really a Madonna fan and she wasn't really doing it because of anything other than the fact that, you know, she and the co-writer did it, you know, for Madonna. But she wasn't like wanting to write for Madonna. She just, like she said, she wanted to write a song that would have Madonna say say things she never said before. Yeah. Well, she, um, just did, she so did it as a favor to Nellie Hooper. Yes. Yep. Who produced, who was the producer of Debut. Right. Yep. So, you know, I, Bjork wasn't like a Madonna fan. So it makes sense that she would not want to perform with her um, at something as, as big as the Brits. Yeah, I couldn't see it happening. Um, and this brings us to the final song uh, from Bedtime Stories, but the next song on the playlist with many more to come. Uh, so the next song is Take a Bow. This was... But the album's big hit, I think. This is the one that did the best, I believe, chart-wise. Yeah, it's her, to this day, um, it's her longest-running number one on the U.S. Billboard Top 200. You know, and probably a lot of credit goes to Babyface, but again, not to reiterate again, but I'm not a Babyface fan. <laughs> and the only reason I really like the song at all is because it is a good song, and having heard it on the radio and seen the video, which is very iconic, um, it kind of just seared into my brain. And, you know, now I like it, but, I, you know, I just don't like Babyface. I don't, I don't love his vocals. I don't like the way he sings. So, yes, but it's still a great song. Madonna makes it a great song. Yeah, Take a Bow is probably my favorite Madonna ballad. I think that it's, I think that it is a home run in every aspect of the term. The video is very like, cast me in Evita. And... 100%. That video was an unofficial casting reel for her to show the producers of Evita that she could look the part and perform the singing part. Yeah. Yes. And that, for and sure. that video of her at the AMAs singing it with Babyface, I love it. I love the juxtaposition of it having a very like I don't know Eastern sound, but then a very Latin video. I always thought yep. that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what What's interesting is I remember, you know, another thing I don't love about the song is it, it comes from the point where it's and it's very, 
made clear in the video that Madonna is the victim. She's, you know, she's hurt by this bullfighter or the lover or the love interest. And she, you know, she, I'm, 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 I've been so used to Madonna being in control and Madonna being strong and to see her take this demure stance was like off putting to me, which is why I love how the unofficial sequel to take a bow, which is you'll see, mm-hmm which was released on something to remember the next album that came out. Um, the same characters are presented in that music video, but in that instance, the whole, the, the, the power shift has changed where she's now in control and he's the one who is the demure. Yeah. The last thing I think I have to say about Take a Bow is that I don't like its placement on the album because it's like we've just spent three or four songs like building up this really creepy new atmosphere and then it feels like a bonus yep. track to me because it's like... It's yep. it's all gotten so exciting and it's like we start, it's, and then all of a sudden it's like Take a Bow comes back in sounding like the first seven songs and it's like what? Yeah. It's too obvious to make the last song in the album Take a Bow. Like come It's on. very on the nose. I think that it should have been too it should have been too I think tra- I think Take a Bow should have followed maybe um Forbidden Love and then let the album go into this crazy weird London dub sound and then end it with Bedtime Story. I agree. It should have been the end of the first half of the album. Yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, read, I believe this is also from Madonnapedia, that the song was written about a failed romance that Madonna had with a movie star, possibly Warren Beatty, whom she starred opposite in the movie Dick Tracy and had a 15-month relationship with. The song expresses the theme of saying goodbye to a lover who has taken her for granted. Um, and she references Shakespeare with the line, all the world's a stage and everyone has their part. Um, so I did not know that this song was possibly inspired by her relationship with one. If it's about a movie star, it's about Sean. You think? I don't see her writing that deep of a song about Warren Beatty. I think that if she's, if she's writing Take a Bow about like a real life experience, it's about Sean. I would bet money on it. It would be interesting well, yeah, I mean, no, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. Sean is the love of her life. Yeah, I never got the sense that she was like, that her and Warren were ever like super close and madly in love. They just seemed annoyed with each other all the time. But this, yeah, is, all, but this is all just public perception, but. Right, right. Um, okay, so that was uh, the last song from uh, Bedtime Stories. But the playlist continues with uh, the new tracks that were included on Madonna's next album, Something to Remember, which was her second greatest hits compilation, which collected all of her ballads up to that point and included um, four new songs. Yes. Well, do we count the, the Love Don't Live Here Anymore remix as a new song? Three new songs and a remix reimagining of an old song. So let's get to those songs. So the next song in the playlist is I Want You, which she, which the song is credited with Massive Attack. Mm-hmm. And it is a Martin Gaye cover, a cover of a Martin Gaye song. Um, and I'm telling you, Massive Attack is one of my favorite uh, electronic music artists. And the beats on this kill me. It is so good. I could listen to just the beats and be happy from this. She song. definitely kept the unsettling, mysterious, creepy vibe going. And to do it to a song like yep. I Want You is genius, I think. Yep. And the video is yeah. beautiful. Beautiful. Um, it's just, it's, it's clear by this point to me that Madonna was thinking electronica. And she was going to... At some point soon, you know, it ended up that she ended up doing Evita and all that whole thing. But um, she had an electronic album inside of her itching to come out. And this was, to me, proof that she had settled on that and it was coming. Yes, I agree. Um, The next song on the playlist, uh, you'll see the aforementioned ballad that uh, is the unofficial sequel to the romance story from Take a Bow um, is, I love it. One of my favorite songs, even though it's a ballad. Um, when, When she was interviewed by NME and they asked her if it was a revenge song 
And her answer was, uh, quote, no, it's about empowering yourself. As much as I like a song like Take a Bow, lyrically, it only reflects one side of my personality. I have that side which is completely masochistic and willing to literally do anything for love. But here's another side, too, which is don't fuck with me. I don't need anybody. I do what I want. And you'll see reflects that. I love that quote. I just don't love the song. I think that it reeks of David Foster, who I'm not a fan of. It's so it's True. so schmaltzy and corny. True. And I just, Shirley Bassey, I think, does a way better, more sensible version of it. It just it doesn't feel like Madonna to me. It feels like Madonna cosplaying as somebody who would sing a David Foster song. I wonder if I would still like it as much as I do were it not for having Take a Bow come out first because it really was presented as the sequel mm-hmm. as the as the next chapter in that story and because I prefer that the 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 power shift in this iteration of the story maybe that's why I love it more um but I really I really do like I love both the videos I just take a bow to me feels like something that Madonna would write you'll see feels like something that she wouldn't even touch with a 10-foot pole in any other moment in her career except for here interesting I mean it's it's clear that you know she definitely wanted to uh to come back well, to to retort with a you know a don't fuck with me sort of uh, storyline rather than a, the masochistic one you referenced before. Yeah, and like on a marketing standpoint, it's genius because she's about to launch a Vita. She puts out this beautiful ballad that the GP is gonna love, yeah. and yeah, she looks gorgeous in the video. Like it all makes sense from a marketing standpoint. It's just not for me. Um, which brings us to the next song, One More Chance, which was written by David Foster. And uh, this song was composed while she was vocal training for Evita. So she was already um, trying to, you know, prove herself as a singer because undoubtedly she knew she would get criticism no matter what she did. Mm-hmm. But taking on the role of Evita Perone, which was a lifelong dream of hers, she fought for a very long time for that role and she knew that she was going to get um, backlash no matter how well she did. So it's clear that she was definitely thinking about her vocals and um, you know, this song is her wanting to prove that she can sing. Yeah. I mean, she literally canceled the entire bedtime stories tour because she got cast as Evita and she was, and she said like, there's no way in hell I'm going to try and do shows. And then she's like, I have to give my full attention to preparing for this role, which I love. Um, yeah. One more chance. I love one more chance. There's some lines when she's like, here's the law of the land. I'm just like, Oh my God, that's so David Foster. But at the end of the day, I love the song. I love, I think it's probably the only time in her entire career where we have a song with just Madonna and acoustic guitar. And, and right. it's interesting because bedtime stories is like the last time that we hear Madonna's like, voice from everybody up until like take a bow like that was like I view that as one voice and then this vocal training changed everything and she comes out with stuff like you'll see and one more chance and Evita and Ray of Light and onwards it's like it's a totally different singer she's singing in a completely different way with different tones and that's what I find most interesting about one more chance because I think that that's the first time she flexed that new muscle of like here's my new talent of singing differently and then she would obviously use that talent to um, bring Evita to life, not only visually, but vocally, and end up winning a Golden Globe for her effort. Yeah. Um, the next song on the playlist is Love Don't Live Here Anymore Remix, which is a rework of a ballad from her very first album. Second album second album a rework of a song from her very second album (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's fine i mean i it wasn't a song that i really uh loved the first time and the remix didn't make me necessarily love it anymore well it's like at least record a new vocal like oh you have some new beats on it who cares i just i don't care yeah 
Yeah. I mean, I guess she, you know, the, the compilation is really about highlighting her ballads and they took one of her old ballads and said, let's, let's revamp it rather than just, you know, putting it right on the record. I guess so. I just don't get why, but I'm sure just that decision was made for a reason at some point in time. I just don't get it. Yeah. Um, and the last song that we are including on the playlist is Human Nature, I'm Not Your Bitch Mix, <laughs> which is included on the Human Nature single, uh, which is newly available on streaming thanks to possibly Madonna returning to Warner Brothers as her record label. And it's one of my favorite remixes of, of the song. Uh, it's a it's a funky dub, uh, you know. It's a great remix name, totally danceable. Uh, I love it. I love. Yeah, it. I think there was a lot of really interesting remixes from bedtime stories in general because the house mixes were great for all of the songs. It felt like the first time that like it was really remixes. It felt like from the debut up until Erotica, it was just kind of like extended mixes that were just done by the same right. producer. But this was like, like she was bringing in Junior Vasquez who um, DJed the the pajama party that was the MTV event for the Bedtime Story video premiere. And he was like live DJing with her in her pajamas there. But like he did all these crazy cool remixes. And I think that, that this was the first era that she really like got into like remixes. Not just like extended mixes or anything boring, but it was like real, like let's bring in these underground DJs and really like give these songs club life. Right, right. Um, so that's the playlist that is available on Spotify. And we've also compiled a uh, playlist on YouTube with music videos and other videos of the era. So why don't you um, talk about a couple of the things that you selected for the playlist that uh, is available on YouTube? Um, well, I, I put in all the music videos. I put in the Letterman interview. I put in the MTV special of the Pajama Party. I am obsessed with her um, VMA confrontation with Courtney Love when she's promoting <laughs> something to remember. Because as a kid, I remember seeing that and like remembering her being like, it's an album of doing you know what to, and then a compact flies over her head. And and then Tornado Courtney Love. Yeah, there. and I love that because I feel like that's so indicative of you and I's friendship because you're Madonna and I'm Courtney Love. And anybody <laughs> that knows the both of us will get that, but. <laughs> I definitely want, I watched that live. I remember watching when it happened live and it's it's not very often. There's probably less than, you know, a handful of times that you see Madonna like caught off guard where she's not in control or she she's looking around like what's going on or what what should I do you know she looks visibly confused sometimes you know like Courtney comes crashing in and you can tell she's looking at the camera or she's looking behind the camera at probably her uh, publicist like get me out of here it's it's funny to see her in that in that could, in a state of not being in control that's the best and like when Courtney's coming up she's yes. like please don't let her come up and like Courtney had this like insane vendetta against Madonna's publicist who was named Tabitha I think <laughs> and like there's a whole whole bootleg not a whole whole bootleg but you know what I mean and it's called bring me the head of Tabitha or something I don't know but it's like Courtney Love like hated this woman and Wait, are you sure that's? Are you sure she wasn't referencing Tabitha Soren from MTV? Uh, she could be. I could be crazy. At the end of that video, um, at the end of that, it's on. That's on the playlist. Um, uh, Courtney is apologizing to Tabitha Soren, and she calls her Tabby. I think that's who she's talking. Oh my about. god! For probably twenty years, I've assumed that that was Madonna's publicist. I have no idea why. Yeah, Tabitha Soren was the lead female news reporter on MTV News and apparently Courtney felt like uh, Tabitha Soren didn't like her and every time she had to report on Courtney Love or Hull she like spat her name out and, and she always felt like that Tabitha hated her and she probably hated her back because of that and they had their they hugged it out on, on camera after Madonna skittered away <laughs> to get away from that whole scene I mean it was just a whole a whole mess. A but, whole mess. Um, but see, I've learned something. The, the, 
the video music awards, you know, all the way up to the early 2000s were appointment television where these big pop culture moments happened multiple times each each award perform each award show. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny that this you know, this this interview that happened, you know, either before or after the VMAs were even happening is still being talked about and here we are talking about yeah it's iconic and 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 to go back to the youtube playlist the other stuff on there is like we have the the, all the all the live performances there are very few live performances for bedtime stories and uh something to remember so all of those will be on there and a, a few interviews so the interviews are great because um you know i mean i just I love Madonna interviews. She's great. So they're, they're fun to watch. Um, we always included uh, the Tupac version of I'd Rather Be Your Lover mm-hmm. um, and um, some other outtakes, rough mix edits from songs from the album. So. Oh, yes. One of, or songs that didn't one of Madonna's only B-sides, um, Let Down Your Guard, the B-side to Secret. Um, there was the song Freedom that ended up on a compilation a few years later. Both of those were really rough. Um, and then we also have the the live performances of Bedtime Stories songs from future tours, like Take a Bow from Rebel Heart and all of the different human natures and that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, like for sure, when, when you look back at Bedtime Stories, a record that people don't necessarily, that doesn't spring to mind when they think about Madonna, when you, when you, look back at it now and you talk about the songs and, and, and all the things that were happening around that era, you really do realize that it was a important time for her. It was a big shift. Um, she managed to successfully, you know, if, if not satisfy the critics, she shut them up and she ended up moving toward a new phase of her career with Evita and then, you know, her, the, her subsequent albums after that, Ray of Light and well, in, into the 2000s. And um, it's just, it's, it's, it's an album that doesn't get enough attention. And I'm glad we decided to talk about Me it. Me too. And it's, it's a, what I think about it is she did damage control while managing to say, I'm not your bitch, don't hang your shit on me. And that is a really thin, tight rope to walk. But she achieved it and she hit it out of the park. Yeah, and if anyone was going to do it, it was going to be Madonna, and she's the queen. Queen. Happy birthday, Madonna. Happy birthday, Madonna. And uh, yeah, so so now we've talked about a record from the 80s, and we've talked about a record from the 90s. So let's think about the next decade of records, and we'll have to come up with a record to talk about next time. I can't wait to vote on it. <laughs> all right so thank you austin so much for uh talking with me about madonna's bedtime stories era and uh i will be coming back at you next week with something hopefully as equally interesting party thank you for having me all right we are out, out. bye Each episode of Spooky Electric has a playlist that I have created for each individual episode. The playlist can be found on my Spotify account, Trent Venegas, in the playlist folder titled Spooky Electric. The playlist track listings are listed on the Spooky Electric Instagram at Spooky Electric, where the O's are zeros. S-P-0-0-K-Y-E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C.